We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Fielding the 68, brought to you by Rhythm. Uh, nice to be here today with you guys. Uh, thanks for making us a very small part of your Friday afternoon. I'm John Martin, joined today by the experts, Lucas Harkins, Rocco Miller. Uh, for the first time this season, they are going to reveal, we are going to reveal our top 16 teams in the field. So top four in each region we're going to get to here uh, in just a little bit. Fellas, good to be with you uh, as always. So the way this works, uh, they tell me that every March there is a tournament uh, and 68 teams play in it, and they have to like determine seeds, and it's like based on like who you beat and who you, who you lose to, stuff like that. I don't know. Uh, but our job is to figure out exactly where those teams fall. Uh, and before we get to the – region reveals Rocco I want to start with protected seeds and the concept of protected seeds and and why they're important so just help us sort of uh break down why a team would want to have a protected seed and, and and their significance you know come tournament time yeah so protected seed is the top six team which we're about to reveal it covers the one the twos the threes and the four seeds and from a pure logistical standpoint it protects them from playing against a team, a Cinderella team that's located within 75 miles of that arena. So there is a protection element to it to where let's say you are um, a team like Duke and you get sent all the way to Spokane. You will not have to worry about playing Eastern Washington because Eastern Washington is within 75 miles of that arena. Uh, so that's a great example. And so really what it allows for is at the very worst, if you're a protected seed, you're still going to play in an arena where it's a true neutral uh, venue per se. doesn't mean you're necessarily closer to that arena than your opponent, but it protects you in that regard. You won't have to be at a uh, geographical disadvantage until the, at, at the earliest, the second round. The other advantage to it is um, you have all, all the different ways they bracket. Um, so when you're in the protected seed range, um, let's say there's four teams from the SEC. All four of them are required to go to four different regions. If one of those four were to fall to a five seed, they wouldn't be protected and they could actually be in the same seed, uh, same region as like a Tennessee or an Alabama. So yep. uh, there's a lot of different uh, caveats. There's almost a fence around these top 16. Then we kind of let things break loose or the, or the rules will allow things to break loose once we start hitting the five seeds. Um, so it's a big deal to get into this top 16 just from all the different bracketing policies and procedures. 
Uh, we're also later in the show going to get into uh, because on, on some level, right, we know who uh, in a, a range of who the top 16 teams are. You may disagree on where a team fits, where the, the, the discourse really gets interesting is who's on the bubble, who should be in, who should be out. And uh, Dagan told me that if you guys disagree, you have to you have to handle it like men uh, and, and go outside the back. You got to handle it physically. So it, it will, so that's just a, that was from Dagan. So just be prepared for that. You know, if it comes to it, Lucas, are you prepared to handle it like men with Rocco? I'm going to need to get a flight down to Boca if that's going to be the case. If we're going to have a fight anyway, I'd rather, I'd rather it be on the beach than the snow I'm working with. Right, but that that would that, that would sort of make Rocco a protected seed in that instance, right? I mean, he's he's sort of at home, you know, he's got the advantage. So I don't know. It, it, but at any rate, we'll do that uh, a little bit later in the show. So without further ado, boys, uh, if you want to get into it, let's start with the Midwest region. Uh, the top four teams in the Midwest region are as follows. Number one overall seed, Purdue, Boilermakers. Uh, we've got the Kansas Jayhawks uh, as the two, the Auburn Tigers as the three, and then Clemson Tigers as the four. Obviously, you see uh, Purdue is the number one overall seed. Clemson there uh, is the last four. Uh, but let's talk a little bit, Lucas, about the Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, they have sort of hit a little bit of a skid here. Uh, you have them on the two seed here. How do you just sort of – how do you assess is it is it injuries like okay they don't necessarily have they don't have McCuller and you just sort of ascribe the struggles to that just sort of how do you see this Kansas Jayhawks team given what they've gone through recently yeah I, I think first things first the two seed is still a top eight team in the country um, it's a really good spot to be in I mean if you're a step behind the one seed line that Kansas has been so familiar with uh, and I think a two right now is probably where they're going to be um, when the committee releases their top 16 tomorrow. Uh, but with that said, I mean, a, a relatively poor road record could lead them down to a three seed line, but still nine and five against the upper two quadrants. They have five wins in quad one, a really good resume metrics. I think this is a team that stays on the two um, when it gets to it down to gets down to the top 16 from the committee tomorrow. There's just too many positives here, um, even with those negatives. Rocco, Auburn was a, a team that there was – I, I remember having arguments, you know, a couple of weeks ago uh, about them. Their, metri their metrics are good, but their, their, their strength of schedule and the wins they had piled up was certainly in question. But I think when you just take them as what they are and you see what they just recently did to, uh, you know, a top 11-ranked South Carolina team, got Kentucky coming up this weekend, you see what they're capable of. On the three-line right now, my question is – how much upside is there with this Auburn team? Just a couple more ranked opportunities here uh, on Saturday against Kentucky at home and then at Tennessee. Can they move up uh, materially, or do you think this is sort of the range where they can expect to be? Yeah, I think there's two different versions of Auburn. I think there's the Auburn that plays in Neville Arena and absolutely destroys, obliterates everybody. They've played six SEC games there. Four of those six are against NCAA tournament level teams. They've won all six of their SEC games by double digits. They just beat South Carolina by 40. When, when Auburn goes and plays in other arenas, they're a lot more human. Uh, and that's why they're two and four in their six toughest road games. And that's why they're not a top two seed right now. However, the performance in Neville Arena, and they've got a couple other good wins. They won at Ole Miss. I'm not knocking, you know, all the things they've done away from Auburn. 
um, but they have a lot to prove still. So I think that opportunity at Tennessee represents a lot because performance wise, they're about a top five or six team. Um, but I think mm -hmm. the whole body of work represents closer to where we have them, which is 11th overall. And that's where they can start to you know, shrink that gap. If they can show us a couple more things on the road. And ultimately, when they play in the NCAA tournament, they're not going to be able to play any games at home, of course, either. There's, right. no, there's no sites closer to Alabama than Memphis. So that's really not that big of an advantage, even if they can get into Memphis. So uh, Auburn's going to have to figure out how to get uh, some good wins away from home. If they can yep. win that Tennessee game, if they can continue playing at this level. Uh, they got a shot to get to the two. And who knows, if everything breaks right and they get some help, they might sniff the one line. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Purdue is – pretty obvious to everybody watching why they would be the number one overall seed so unless you guys have any superlatives any additional love letters here in the month of february you'd like to write uh i'd, I'd like to sort of discuss clemson a bit because it just feels like a month ago you know we were questioning you know okay are they even going to you know be able to make it in and now they're on the four line so lucas is this in a year where everybody seems to be so down on the acc it feels like this is this is sort of a nod to that league with Clemson being on the four seed. Yeah, maybe part of it. I think more than anything is as much as people have been down on the ACC, one team they have not been down on is North Carolina. Uh, and Clemson has a road win at North Carolina. It has a road win at Alabama. Uh, and, and those two wins inside of themselves combined with, you know, a neutral site win over TCU, a, a, a way win over Pitt that's gained traction in recent weeks. I think that they've put themselves in a position to be around the four line. I currently have Clemson as a five. I put them a little bit behind the rest of the group because I think their yeah. quality metrics, uh, 23rd in BPI, 28th in Ken Palm, lag behind uh, a couple of those teams that are also in the mix, like a Dayton or a Creighton, um, that are also there. But but I think Clemson's certainly in the mix there. They have two of the best road wins in the country. They're nine and six against the upper two quadrants. Um, to hear their name called by the committee in the top 16 tomorrow would not be a surprise. Um, and I think at worst they're a five seed right now. Yeah, just just real quick before we get to uh, uh, the uh, the East region here, if you've got them as a five, and this is sort of a consensus, Rocco, I would assume you have them a bit higher. So, uh, what is it about Clemson that has you a bit higher here than Lucas? Yeah, I mean, this was actually to me the toughest decision out of the whole top sixteen. Who was going to get that last sixteen spot? I thought, you know, we might have different orders at one through fifteen. It just happened to be that next group of teams started with 16 through 20 or so, at least in my opinion. So it's really just this last four seed all the way through all the five seeds. And they all kind of deserve consideration, whether you, you look at Clemson, Dayton, Creighton, South Carolina, maybe even a Texas Tech or San Diego State. Um, and I just think, you know, what I do, like I always do, is go off the learnings of previous years. You know, we have nine of the same 12 committee members this year as last year. And I think you need a nice blend of resume and – um, performance. And I think Clemson represents that. Of course, you can't top the, the two road wins at Alabama and at North Carolina. Uh, a supplemental win that is very nice is a win in Canada over TCU. Um, so that's three really strong wins. And when you look at like a Creighton, they've only got uh, a road win at Nebraska. They haven't got a, uh, which is a good win. It's a, it's a tournament team, um, but not as strong as Alabama or Carolina, Not maybe not even as strong as TCU. So um, I thought that comparison was fairly well in Clemson's favor. Uh, and then you got Dayton, uh, who is a kind of a mystery team. And that's the team I'm more curious what the committee will do. It's kind of, they're tougher to predict because they don't get the same opportunities. Their big wins were Cincinnati and St. John's. Over the last couple of weeks, both Cincinnati and St. John's have played their way out of the field. Not Dayton's fault, but just part of bracketology. 
And uh, Dayton themselves, of course, lost to VCU last Friday, taking a second loss in their in their own league. So they're not as shiny and glitzy as they were a couple weeks ago either. Uh, but they're right there to be picked. It's just a very different body of work than Clemson. And so we have to, um, you, you know, that's where I kind of drew, drew straws and, and went with the Tigers. Yeah, uh, good stuff. All right, on to the East region as we make our way down our top 16 here on field in the 68. UConn Huskies, number one seed there in the East. Tennessee, number two. Iowa State, number three. Illini, number four. Lucas, I'm interested in UConn because they've just they've just sort of picked up exactly where they left off last season, just been utterly dominant when they have their full roster. I, I, I'm going to present it to you like this. If Purdue wins out and UConn wins out, is there any chance UConn could jump Purdue? Or or if nothing changes, this is just what the order is going to be? Yeah, I think there's a chance there. I, I think Purdue has a relatively decent leg up right now in the fact that it uh, has, has seven quad one A wins, which UConn doesn't. But what UConn has left on its schedule is both matchups with Marquette. Uh, yep. Starting off this weekend, they get Marquette at home. And I think that's, what, that's where they could grow an edge if they were able to sweep Marquette um, along that path, whereas I think Purdue only gets Illinois once uh, yep. during this stretch. So I, I think UConn can get there. Um, all their games are really tough down the stretch. They still get at Creighton. They get Marquette twice. They go at Providence. I, I think all of their remaining games, all six are against teams that are still in the conversation, at least for bids, uh, which isn't the case for Purdue. So I think there's a chance for UConn to get there. Uh, and certainly those are the two one and two seed number one or one and two on the one line. And I don't think it's close right now. Uh, Tennessee there at uh, the two seed here, uh, a couple, actually four, four more ranked opportunities for the volunteers. They host Auburn, they go to Bama, they go to South Carolina and they host Kentucky. So Rocco, it feels like, you know, as the six overall here, the Vols are going to be able to play themselves onto the one line if they, you know, re- go what three and one. I mean, what's the what's the upshot here for the Volunteers? They might they might be able to do it with a perfect record. Three and one would be really interesting. It would depend on wh- who that one loss was against, and um, you know, just going off the very easy, simple grid right now. Arizona's the fourth number one, I believe. Uh, that's where we had them on Monday. They haven't played since, so I'm assuming we're still sitting in that same that's position. Fine. Um, but Arizona uh, will not have the opportunities that you just listed Tennessee has. So there is the, this predicament here for the Wildcats where they could get passed up by a team like Tennessee. They could just win their way to a more impressive resume, and there's really nothing Arizona can do about it. Um, so that is a fascinating element. I agree with that if they go 4-0. Again, 3-1, and I'm not sure because uh, we have to wait that out. You know, We're looking at a situation today where Tennessee is – uh, 14 and six in meaningful games and Arizona 16 and five in meaningful games. So if Arizona doesn't do anything wrong, that would give Tennessee two more losses than Arizona. So that's a tough one to, to sell, but you could sell it still. If, if they have an abundance of great wins, particularly on the road, they win those yep. two big road games at Bama at South Carolina. Uh, that, that might be enough. Iowa State there on the three line, Lucas. I just wonder, you know, are Cyclones fans going to feel a little slighted by that? Because the rap is they can't win away from home. They've done that in Big 12 play. Again, they have a lot of opportunities coming up. So I think that's that's always what you want. I mean, you've got more opportunities to prove yourself if you're Iowa State. But um, 
what went into to, to the three line here for them? Yeah, I, I think Iowa State's correctly the ninth uh, on our seed list. That's where I have Iowa State right now is ninth on the seed list. Uh, I think they were they were really in consideration for me for the last two seed um, with Kansas, and I ended up going with with, with Kansas in that regard, partially because Iowa State played. Uh, one of the worst non-conference schedules uh, of the teams in the top 16, 322nd in, in non-conference ranked schedule. And, and obviously that that was part of them being able to bolster their, their quality metrics to the point that they're at is they dominated those games, like just dominated those games. But the fact that that, that schedule is still there, I think holds them back just a touch right now. Um, but I think that they're definitely a team that can play their way up to the two line. And I wouldn't be that surprised that even they got the call to be a two seed tomorrow. I think they're somewhere between eight and 10. And I think nine is the right spot. And then Rago, finally, before we get to uh, the second half of the reveal here on field in the 68, just your thoughts on Illinois and their resume and, and why they're checking in here at the four. Yeah, I think Illinois across the board really, um, besides the home loss to Maryland, ha- hasn't done too much wrong. They, of course, had the Terrence Shannon saga come and go. Uh, but the body of work suggests that that shouldn't really be factored in because they have him now and they'll have him for, for the foreseeable future. So, um, you know, some of the knocks on Illinois is they're three and five in quad one opportunities. So that's less than 500. I think that's keeping them away from being as high as a three seed. Um, but they're uh, you know, all their other records and a win over Florida Atlantic away from home on top of three really strong home wins against teams that are going to be in the field um, show enough evidence that they belong in this protected seed area. So it does seem like four seed seems correct. Um, and, and I think we got them right exactly where I, where I had them. So Awesome. Well, we got another half. Uh, go ahead, Lucasar. I got nothing. Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought you had another point. Yeah, we had another half of the bracket to reveal. Going to get to the South region and the West region. When we get back, you're watching Fielding, the 68, right here on the Field 68 Media Network. Back after this. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 as we all get ready for the best month of the year, March madness if you haven't signed up for betmgm yet you can use the bonus code field 150 and you will get 150 dollars in free bets on your first wager with betmgm regardless of whether or not you win that first bet here's the best part all you need to do is deposit and bet five dollars of your hard-earned money this is how you make it work Download the BetMGM app and sign up using the bonus code FIELD150. That's FIELD150. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $150 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure you use that bonus code FIELD150 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available in one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in Philly or New York, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create a new account in each state. It's easy, it's simple, and it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the conference tournaments and for the NCAA tournament. Bet insurance tokens college hoops odds boost and my personal favorite a nice little parlay boost here and there so download the bet mgm app and sign up today we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, welcome back to Field in the 68. Brought to you by Rhythm. Appreciate you guys uh, making us a small part of your Friday afternoon, getting closer and closer every weekend to that NCAA tournament. So, I mean, this is when we're starting to get a real clear picture, you know, of, of who goes where. We've already revealed uh, our top four seeds in the Midwest region. We've already revealed our top four seeds in the East region. That leaves us two remaining. Let's get it going with the Dirty South. In the South region, we've got Houston as the number one overall seed in that region. North Carolina as the two, Alabama at the three, and then Wisconsin as the four spot. Um, as it relates to Houston, Lucas, just break break this team down. I mean, Kelvin Sampson, obviously, as consistent as they come, moving to the Big 12, uh, they've mostly, it feels like, maximized those chances. What do you make of these Cougars and their resume? You know, number one BPI, number one in Ken Palm, number one in the net. <laughs> Those things just add up to being a one seed. Um, they do, in just a pure metric standpoint. They're also nine and three um, against the upper two quadrants, and eight of those wins are in quad one. Uh, I think they're pretty safely on the one side. As I mentioned earlier, I do think they're a step behind that Purdue UConn mm-hmm. one and two mm-hmm. on the one line, but I think they're definitely the third best one seed uh, and pretty safely in that position. Yeah. Uh, North Carolina. Uh, interesting. And, and, and Rocco, who knows if it's a, just a scheduling quirk, you know, after you after you handle Duke at home. But it has been, you know, a little bit of a grind, you know, since then uh, here at the two spot. Um, how confident sort of are you that they maintain this spot? Um, just give me your thoughts on the Tar Heels and, and, and all, all that goes into, you know, the Duke win, but then sort of the, the struggle since then. Close win against Miami and obviously the loss at Syracuse. Yeah, I mean, recent play suggests uh, that that none of us should be confident they can stay. They're, they're here because of damage they did weeks prior in the rest of the season earlier. Um, you know, getting that road win at Clemson has really, Clemson, excuse me, uh, has really aged so well. 
Uh, now that we know Clemson is a, a team in the top 16, you have a, a neutral court win over Oklahoma that stands out away from home. And in general, out of all these teams at the top of the board, um, even to this day, uh, in top t- competition on the road, uh, they've had seven games in the top two quads at, uh, away, and they're six and one. They're the only team, uh, unless you go all the way down to St. Mary's, who's not in the protected seed range, I don't believe. Um, uh, they're the only team with only one loss. So they've they've done a lot of great road damage. The committee loves that. That's saving them right now. But I think if this type of play continues, you're dropping games at Syracuse. You're dropping home games. Um, obviously, they're gonna they're in a position now where they can finally really fall. Um, in, yeah. in fact, going into the, Going into the exercise today, John, um, I I went into it, as I always do, open-minded, and I thought there was a chance they could easily land on the three, but the teams trying yep. to catch them just haven't done, haven't done enough yet. Uh, I'm, I'm really int- intrigued by the three here in Alabama. They obviously are first place standalone in the SEC, but but Lucas, when I when I look at their resume, it just, to me, it, it feels like there's just that that win that's missing. Yes, they beat Auburn, uh, and it was a it was a, it was it was a great win, no question. But it was there, and I sort of look around, and I'm like, what else do you really have? Uh, so, how strong are they on the three line? How much of it is just they're leading the SEC right now? Just what's going into the Crimson Tide being where they are uh, in the field right now? Yeah. Yeah. So for those two questions, uh, in terms of, I think they're pretty solidly. Um, on the three, as of right now. And that's how all bracketology is, is a snapshot sure. um, of where things stand. And I, I think they're definitely a step ahead um, of the teams on the four. I have them pretty solidly on the three at this moment. But as to your second question of, is it just leading the SEC? It has nothing really to do with that. I, I think, obviously, that plays a factor in the fa- in how they've gotten here because the non-conference was tough sledding, uh, eight and five in non-con, uh, with some tough losses in there. And their only really big non-conference win which has aged really well is Indiana State. Um, but other than that, it's really been just intra, intra-conference play that's put them to here. Um, but one thing that you can say about their slow start is that it was a slow start, but one with great metrics still. And those metrics have maintained as they started to win those games. And it's kind of been, Alabama's kind of been a case of let the quality metrics speak for themselves over time. If, if a Ken Palmer or a BPI believes you this much, the longer, yep. uh, the more games you play, the more things are going to trend in that direction. Um, they're, they're sixth in BPI, seventh in Ken Palm, and now they've trended themselves up to that to that kind of level in terms of seeding now that they've gotten there. Yeah, just a, a follow-up real quick, Luke, is like metrics good, all that. How much room do they sort of have to spare? Like if they, if they took a loss to Texas A&M, for example, at home, like how punitive would that be I'm just trying to get a feel and a gauge for just how much room they have here. How punitive might a loss to an unranked A&M team, an unranked Florida team? Like, what kind of space are we talking about with them? Yeah, I think there's definitely more room to drop than there is to rise. Uh, you pointed out they're, they're, they don't have really that great road win. Their best win is at home against Auburn by four points. And they're not really going to have a chance to pick one of those up either. You look at their remaining schedule at Kentucky. It, great road win, but doesn't do a ton in terms of, like, an elite road win. Same with that at Ole Miss and same with at Florida. So I, I think there's definitely a better likelihood that they fall off the three than they raise to a two. Um, but I think they're in pretty good shape for a protected seed come next month because those metrics are so outstanding and I don't see them dropping outside of the top 10. Yeah. And then finally here at the four, Rocco, we have the Wisconsin, ba- Wisconsin Badgers who were in free fall 
before the the win over Ohio State that uh, ultimately got Chris Holtman up out of there. Is this more like because it's like you know a month ago we were talking about Wisconsin. I don't know if we were talking about them credibly, but it was at least a discussion that was being had that they could be a one. And and you know we go from that to the four is that sort of what this is about more so like where they were and maybe could have been to the spot that they've ultimately fallen to given their recent play i think it's just you know you have to reassess every time a new result comes in but it's only as important as as many games as they've played right so it's a it's a constantly growing pie of sample sizes and obviously the recent sample sizes besides that latest win by wisconsin have not been good um, but you got to yep. weigh that all together. And you're always that's why we're always talking about body of work. And, um, you know, much to my surprise, at least on Monday, they were still measuring out as a four seed then. And then they got another win this week to, I think, further you know solidify themselves as a four seed. But um, in general, you, you know, you can't take away the win at Michigan State. You can't take away the win on a neutral court against Virginia. You can't take away the six quad one wins. Those are all there to stay. Um, but then, you know, you start piling up losses, you start getting losing records in some of these different uh, key categories, whether it's quad one opportunities or, or road games. And by the way, Wisconsin's five and six away neutral. So that is working against them now. And they're three and six yep. in their nine really important road games. So they have a lot more to prove still. Um, and they were in a much better position before, but they're still, uh, yep. again, we're just, it's a, everything's a beauty pageant, John. We're just comparing yep. teams. And they still look a little bit prettier than the five seeds. Yeah, like I guess that's a that's an interesting sort of follow up. If you were on the committee, right? Like I've got I've got I've got a November and a December. Just generally, let's just say hypothetically, I've got a, I've got a Wisconsin a, a November to December that was fantastic, elite, piling up quad one wins left and right. But then I've got a January once we we get the conference play and they've lost four or five. Like, how do you sort of weight that, right, Rocco? Like, how do you because like is, is one month more uh, telling than the other, you know, I, I just that's the piece of it that I would sort of yeah. wonder as a fan, like, should January matter more than November? I don't necessarily agree with that. How do you sort of weigh that? Yeah, so by the book, it, there is no difference. Every month is equally as important. And in fact, um, you could easily argue that the least important is championship week because the committee starts their process during that week. And if you don't get your results in by Thursday or Friday, they're probably not going to factor into the bracket unless you're stealing a bid. So yep. every other part of the season is, is looked at equal. The, that, the net is actually created to sort the data. It, you know, it's not necessarily to focus on quad one or two or three or four. It's to give the committee a resource to filter all these results. So it doesn't matter if that that game happened in November, because sometimes, John, what happens is you could beat a team that you thought was ranked 100 in November. They could go on later in the year and turn into a top 30 team. And you go from what you That's thought right. was a quad three, it turns into a quad one. It could go the other way. Right. So you That's just right. don't know you, what you yep. do is you play your yep. game and then whoever you play against, you root for them the rest of the year. Um, and so that's that's just kind yeah. of the, the overall answer there. Yeah, you're you're when you're scheduling games in the non-conference, you're just you're you're almost trying to you know bet a little bit on okay, this team's going to do X, Y, and Z, you know, yep. <laughs> by the time they get to it's their league play, it. and you just hope. Yep, it's a dark yep. horse. You just, you just you're triple twenty. You sometimes you miss a little bit and you land on a twenty. That's right. That's <laughs> right. All right. Last and final region reveal here on Fielding the 68 on the February 16th edition of the show. Arizona is the last one seed. Marquette as the two, Baylor three, 
and then the Duke Blue Devils uh, as the four. Obviously, a couple things here. Arizona is that last number one. Marquette is the first number two. Um, let's let's talk a little Marquette, Lucas, because as that first number two, it feels like with two matchups against UConn, Shaka Smart's bunch could have some room to 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 head up here. Yeah, I agree. Now, before I get into Marquette, I first want to just this region being bold letter followed by a, a letter U, a letter U, and then a bold letter logo looks fantastic. Um, <laughs> just a quick observation. But on Marquette, you're right. I mean, they've, they've won eight. They've won eight in a row. They've got two over Villanova in that stretch. They beat Seton Hall. They beat St. John's twice. They got a win at Butler. Uh, they still have both games against UConn, and, and one that I think kind of keeps going underrated both now, which we've talked about with UConn and with. Uh, Marquette now it, it, is they go at Creighton still too. Like there's opportunities to build there. Uh, Marquette's put itself into position, I think, to be in contention for a one. They're ten and five across the upper two quadrants. Four of those wins are in quad one A. The metrics are just a touch behind those other teams um, in contention for a one seed right now. The, the team's currently on the one, but I think as we pointed out um, with Tennessee earlier, is that Arizona doesn't really have those opportunities down the stretch, and, and they could right. be leaped by a team like Tennessee. Um, and as we speak, as a team like Tennessee, Marquette qualifies as a like in terms of what they have remaining and what they put up together. Yeah, uh, on Arizona, Rocco. I mean, obviously, you look at what they have done, and they they played a you know an absolute monster of a schedule, and so they get credit for that, no question about it. But is it a deal where, like, even if they lost one game the rest of the way, and that loss was at UCLA, like they're coming off the one line? Is it really like? Is it is it that? you know, narrow for them? It can be, yeah. Just Again, it just depends on what the team's chasing them do. If they perform, they can pass them. And even a team like we talked about before, Tennessee, Marquette as well, um, who's in this region uh, that, that we just talked about, um, they, they have the schedule to pass probably Arizona. If, you know, in, in this perfect storm, all three teams won the rest of their games, um, they probably have s- such enough ammo in their schedule to, to uh, perhaps pass Arizona without any help. Um, but I do think if Arizona loses to anybody left on their Pac-12 schedule, chances are it's going to hurt pretty bad. Right now, the second best team in the league is Washington State, who is somewhere around an eight to ten seed, depending on where everybody has them. I had them as an eight today, but um, again, that's they're not. I think they play them one more time, but it's a home game, so they can't really even take that loss. So Arizona, on paper, um, would be taking a, a hit no matter which game they lost going forward. Baylor feels uh, right. I mean, I feel like they're exactly probably where they should be. Lucas, what about Duke um, and, and and their, you know, uh, maneuverability as a four? What's it look like for them? Yeah, you know, I think one thing that works against Duke right now it is a below 500 record in quad two. Um, they're one and two in quad two games. And if you want to separate things out like and compare teams quadrant by quadrant, that's something that they're going to lose most of the time. Um, against teams in these top five or six seed lines. Um, so I think that that holds them back right now. But I think that in general, five of their wins being in quad one, two are quad one A games. They have pretty solid metrics. I, I think it's a group that's pretty solidly on the four, um, but yep. one that I, I, that I don't feel very confident being up to being even consideration for a three or necessarily um, down to a five. I think that they're kind of, as Rocco discussed with Illinois earlier, I think they're pretty solidly on that four spot. Yeah, uh, at Miami, at Wake, two home games against Virginia and Duke, so or excuse me, North Carolina. So chances are, are, are definitely going to be there for uh, the Blue Devils. All right, 
as we uh, as we have just revealed our top 16 teams, we're now going to get into when we get back uh, the last four in. And what comes with that, of course, the four, the, uh, the first four out. So we're going to do all of that and more when we get back. You're watching the fielding, uh, fielding the 68 on the Field of 68 Media Network back after this. There is nothing in sports better than the heart of the college basketball season, which is why I need to tell you guys about our partners over at Rhythm. If you're into sports betting, you need Rhythm, the place for data-backed props and picks. For those that are unfamiliar, Rhythm, spelled R-I-T-H-M-M, is the go-to mobile app for player props and game picks. Backed by AI predictive models, Rhythm helps you make smarter and faster betting decisions across all sports, but particularly college hoops, where there are as many as 150 games a day during conference play many of which have softer lines at BetMGM than you'll find in the NFL or the NBA. With Rhythm, you get data-backed picks for every Division I game every day. Users get free picks daily with the ability to upgrade to unlimited access. And for those of you already using modeling, you can build custom sports betting models within the Rhythm app itself. I am a Rhythm user, and I found that I've been a better better when I focus on lines where my gut and Rhythm's modeling are aligned. When I think UConn can cover on the road against Butler and Rhythm backs that up, we fire. But Rhythm also helps lead you to plays that you didn't know you needed to make. Like, for example, when the data says bet the over in UMass Lowell versus New Hampshire because you have a 61% edge on that line, you bet the over and you bink. So if you want to increase your edge and win more bets, go to the link in the description below and download Rhythm today. That's R-I-T-H-M-M, the place for data-backed props and picks. Welcome back to Fielding the 68 right here on the Field of 68 Media Network. Uh, okay, we have already revealed the top 16 teams uh, in the NCAA tournament as our experts have it, the West region, the South region, the East, the Midwest, that's the four regions that they that they delegate uh, in the NCAA tournament. So now we're going to turn to the teams that are just barely going to scrape in and the teams that are going to be sad uh, on the outside looking in come tournament time. Uh, now, we had a consensus for the top 16. Uh, in this case, both of you guys may have different answers on these teams. So, Lucas, you're going to start us off. Who are your last four teams in? So, I'm leading my last four in right now with Gonzaga, Providence, Ole Miss, and Cincinnati. Uh, starting with Gonzaga, I'm not really sure what to think yet of Gonzaga. Of course, you can point to they only have one quality win, and that was on the road over a Kentucky team that is kind of trending towards a 7-8 for me. But no bad losses. Uh, strength of records in bubble territory. Quality metrics are fantastic. I'm, I'm hedging a little bit with them being my last, with my fourth to last team in. I, I think this is a team that if they get in would probably be seated higher than this, but I think it's because of those quality metrics, but I think it's pretty uh, difficult to say whether they're going to be in the field or not right now. Uh, Province, big wins over Creighton and St. John's recently, even though both were at home, uh, really big to prove they can pick up those quality wins without Bryce Hopkins. Metrics really bubbly. Four quad one wins is great. Um, but they didn't play a quad three game. So they're under 500 against the upper three quadrants, 9-0 and in quad four, 2-6 and six in road games. Uh, they really screamed to be a team sitting on the cut line. Uh, speaking of teams like Gonzaga that are really difficult to figure out right now, good luck. 
figuring out what the committee is going to do with Ole Miss right now. Uh, 24th in KPI, 20th in strength of record, but they're sub-60 in every single other metric. They don't have a quad 1A win. They're 4-6 and six against the upper two quadrants, sub-300 in non-conference strength of schedule. There's a lot of negatives with Ole Miss's resume, but, but as far as where right. they stand right now, those top 25 resume metrics are going to be really hard to keep out of the field. Uh, Cincinnati was my last team in. Uh, I, they were one of three teams I was considering for this last spot. Uh, we'd get to the other two when we get to the first four out. Um, but I ended up going with Cincinnati for their two quad 1A wins. That's at BYU and at Texas Tech. Uh, but just four and eight against the upper two quadrants, seven and nine against the top three quadrants, another one of those teams with a sub-300 non-conference strength of schedule. It's not a position I'd be particularly envious of uh, being this last team in right now. Um, but I do have them just above my first two out in that final conversation. Yeah, on, on Gonzaga, ultimately, you know, you have to, like, not lose if you're them. But they were yeah. definitely a team where there was some, you know, some back and forth about given what they had or had not done prior to going into Lexington and, and, and getting that done. Is it is it as simple as they beat Kentucky and Lexington? They, they might have been out before, but now they're in. Is it sort of that – did that flip it for you? I think to some extent, I think they absolutely needed to win one of St. Mary's or Kentucky down the stretch. And either one might have put them on the right side of the field for, for me, and, and losing both would put them in, in a position where they have a really hard time getting in the field. Uh, they got the first one, and I think that puts them right in this cut line conversation, and, and a lot of the season will hinge on what they do um, against St. Mary's next, and if they get St. Mary's um, in the WCC tournament. Yeah, no question. That was that was a very impressive win. Not uh, not a good day for Kentucky fans, but definitely was for Mark Few. All right, Rocco, let's go to Rocco Miller's last four in. See uh, how much of an agreement we can get here on who Rocco's got as the last four in. Yeah, and of course, when we're talking about the last four in, John, we're zooming in on one little part of the bracket. There's a much bigger story to tell, but I'll digress. Um, so much like the show on Monday, uh, it starts with Mississippi State and Boise State. Not much changed. Mississippi State had the bye this week, so nothing happened to them. And Boise State um, also had the bye this week. So no games for either team. They're in the exact same position. Didn't expect that. I'm very comfortable with both of those teams getting in. It's just kind of with some of the different uh, nuances of teams like Ole Miss, who are just barely above them for me, Nebraska, barely above them for me. Um, not much changed since Monday, and I didn't see a reason to make the switch. I feel good about putting both of those teams in Dayton, so there they go. Uh, and next, I have uh, New Mexico. Now, New Mexico, of course, uh, came back from the dead. Uh, they had the bad home loss on Saturday last week to UNLV, ended up winning a big road game by one point at Nevada. And this is going to touch on a larger theme. I think we'll talk about later in the show about how the Mountain West just seems to be threading the needle like no other to keep all six of these relevant teams uh, picking up key road wins, keep, you know, beating up on each other to the point where they have enough good wins to keep them selectable, if you will. Uh, but also, like, what's going on here? Uh, but New Mexico is one that I actually feel pretty good about. They're, I mean, if you watch them play, their roster is awesome. Um, they're a dangerous team that could be a second weekend team. And I think when a committee sits down and looks at them and talks about them, they now finally have a road win that they can point to and say, see, they can win on the road. They just did that in Reno. Uh, and, and last but not least uh, of those four, um, I have Seton Hall. And this was more of a precision decision and not, not trying to be all punny over here, but it, it was, it was a, my, my analysis had Nevada as the last team in, I'll be honest. 
but I just can't see a scenario with the combination of remaining games for all six of the Mountain West teams that are legitimately in the hunt right now. Um, no, no pun again for Nevada being on the hunt, but um, I just think one of these six are going to be left out. And Nevada, I think, is the closest to being left out at this point, taking another home loss. They also have true, two incredibly tricky games on their schedule against their rivals, UNLV. UNLV has been poisoning a lot of success stories in this league. And who else would they want to poison besides the Wolfpack? Um, so I do think Seton Hall, although I don't like the fact that they're eight and nine in meaningful games, I would, I would prefer you to be at least 500 or better. Meaningful games just mean throw out your quad four results and sh show me what's left. At least Seton Hall has the road wins at Butler, who we agree is a, a tournament team today, and a border borderline bubble out, bubble in team in Providence, um, a team they're directly up against. They, they exchanged road wins with. So they have two road wins to point at. They have the great home wins with UConn and Marquette, who are easily protected seeds, top five teams, in my opinion. And that's enough reason to put Seton Hall as the very last team in. Got it. Okay, so let's move on to uh, first four out. Oh, sorry. Yeah, there's a consensus. Oh, now we do have a consensus. Yes. Okay, so here's the, here's the consensus of Field in the 68's last four before we get to the first four out. Uh, we've got uh, Gonzaga, Ole Miss, Providence, and Nevada. Uh, so there you have it. That is our last four in. Uh, as our consensus right now at fielding the 68. All right, Lucas, who do you have uh, right now as your first four out? Yes, my first four out right now are Utah, Wake Forest, the, the Seton Hall team that, that Rocco was just talking about, um, and Villanova. And Villanova, wow. Um, Utah slid out of its field, uh, slid out of the field after its road loss to USC. Uh, recent results aren't weighted any differently, as we discussed earlier in this podcast, but, but Utah has lost three in a row and five of six. They're one in six in true road games now. They're outside of the top 60 in strength of record. Uh, I think they're just on the outside. Uh, Wake Forest trails just behind. They were that, that third team that I was in consideration with this last team, along with Cincinnati and Utah. Margins are razor thin. I gave Utah the edge for first team out over Wake Forest because of a head-to-head -head win. Um, Wake still without a quad one win this year, uh, five and eight against the top two quadrants, great quality metrics. Uh, I think mean that if Wake was to get in the field, they'd get a higher seed, um, than perhaps one that's in Dayton. But I think that they're, um, certainly right around the cut line, uh, Seton Hall, Rocco already talked about, but I'll say I have them on the outside, um, sub 65 quality and resume metrics, uh, uh, sub 250 non-conference strength of schedule, two quad three losses has them looking on the outside, um, uh, looking from the outside for me. Villanova, 13 and 11. That's really it. Uh, they're going to have to pick up some wins to get there. They have great wins over Texas Tech and North Carolina. Um, they plus one of the only two teams in the country, along with Butler, to win at Creighton this year. Um, that's only one of their two road wins on the year, though. Two and six, sub 60 in resume metrics, three quad, three losses. Uh, Villanova has work to do, but I think it has given itself a baseline with those quality metrics and those top tier wins to stay in the mix although I think there is a pretty big gap right now between my third team out and the rest of the teams in the bubble. Got it. All right, Rocco. Uh, we just got Lucas's first four out. Uh, who's Rocco Miller's first four out uh, on February 16th, 2024? Yeah, so we'll start with Nevada, who I broke down just a minute ago. Uh, you know, I think they have the goods to be selected. It's just really this Mountain West puzzle really not a scenario where all six can get to the end of the string. And I mean, again, they can keep beating each other over and over again, and maybe it will work. Um, but I, I can't see a combination where all six get in, at least, you know, uh, I don't think that's likely. 
Uh, and unfortunately, I'll just project Nevada to be out. But no offense, Nevada fans, I love uh, what you've done overall. Uh, you also have Memphis. Um, I, I think I have Memphis there because the rest of their schedule is uh, the, the whole world still in front of them. They play Florida Atlantic twice still. They go to SMU tomorrow. SMU is a top 40 team in terms of the net. Not, not a tournament team, but it's a really good road win if Memphis can get it. The AAC did a tremendous job of scheduling a top seven heavy. You play everybody twice in the top seven projected, and you only play teams in the bottom seven once. So Memphis' remaining schedule is loaded. Um, if they play well, even though they lost last night, not a bad loss at North Texas, I think they'll have the goods to get selected. So they're right there. And then I think um, Utah's there for the reasons you, uh, Lucas just alluded to. Just unfortunately got a cold streak here after the triple OT loss to Arizona that I was at last week. And uh, last but not least, James Madison's creeping back up. They're my fourth to last team out, mainly because Michigan State is their, their big anchor. Michigan State keeps playing better. That helps James Madison a lot. And otherwise, we don't know a lot about James Madison because they have 16 games against quad four mm -hmm. where, they're six, where they're 16 and 0. But against everybody else, they're 6 and 3. So, it, uh, you know, we're kind of depending on some metrics from there, which is weird. I don't like that. But um, that's just where it's up to the committee's uh, discretion. And guess what, John? The Sunbelt Commissioner is on the committee. So mm -hmm. James Madison's not going away in the conversation if they're in this yeah. position. Again, probably takes a perfect storm, lose to App State in the championship game. Uh, they'll still be here. But that Michigan State win on the road keeps them in the conversation. Yeah. I want to follow up real quick. Um, Memphis is such an interesting case study because, you know, they they handled their business in the non-conference and picked up quad one wins at A&M against Clemson, against Virginia. You know, obviously some didn't age as well as they hope so, Michigan and Arkansas, for example. But the bottom, it feels like, has really fallen out on them. Do you think there's a chance maybe you're a, a touch higher on Memphis uh, than, you know, the rest of the country? Like, because you have them second team out, you know, which I think is higher than I've seen them most other. I'm just curious as to, you know, your thinking yep. there. Yeah, so two trains of thoughts there. So first is, for me, you're either in the field or you're out of the field. I don't care if you're 20th team out or first team out. You're either going to the NIT or you're going to the NCAAs. So yep. I don't look at it like that. So from there, you got to look at who's got the ability to play their way in. Nobody, well, maybe a few teams in the power conferences, I should take that back. But Memphis has a great remaining schedule to kind of show us if they belong or not. And right now, I agree, they belong out. The, the bad outweighs the good, as I've said on a few of these shows before. Can't, can't take four bad losses like they have right now and, and try to make up for that with the three great wins they have. Only one of those is on the road at Texas A&M. But I, I think that road win at VCU is starting to matter more and more. VCU is getting hot. Clemson, yep. uh, Clemson is, you know, they're playing well. So, again, they're, they're there, they're sitting around, and they're going to define it themselves with the way they play down the stretch. So why not keep them kind of right on the edge? That's my philosophy on it. Got it. All right, and what's our consensus here on fielding the 68 on the first four out? Seton Hall, Cincinnati, Utah, Wake Forest. That is the fielding the 68's consensus, first four out. All right, we're going to come back. And uh, we do have a, a Mountain West special tonight. I, I do kind of love how the Mountain West is putting, like, good games on Friday nights in a, in, a, in a night that the sport seemingly has punted. We've got one of those tonight. We'll get into that uh, in the rest of the league when we get back. You're watching Building the 68 back after this. Big news, guys. I am thrilled to announce that we have partnered with Autograph, a company founded by the GOAT himself, Tom 
Brady. The Autograph Fandom app gives you access to the best college hoops content, fan contests, and exclusive rewards like discounted tickets, all for doing the things that diehard fans like you already do, following your favorite team in the news and listening to podcasts just like this one. When Tom, and yes, I am calling him Tom, we're on a first name basis these days, co-founded Autograph. He had one mission in mind, change the fan experience for the better. It works like this. You get all of your college hoops content you want in one place. You get articles from your favorite writers, pods from your favorite hosts, contests from your favorite creators, all on the feeds and the sites that you already enjoy. But instead of having to go to all these different places, it all comes to you in one spot, the autograph fandom map. But here's the best part. The more content that you consume, the higher you rank in the app. As you consider the level up in status on the app, you can unlock unique rewards curated exclusively for you. So download the free autograph app in the app store and use the referral code F68, that's F68, or tap in at the link in the description below or in the podcast app of your choosing to start earning points for doing something as normal as listening to this very podcast. It really is that simple. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Fielding the 68 here on the Field of 68 Media Network. I'm John Martin. He's Lucas Harkins. Rocco Miller's with us as well. Uh, I've kind of gotten into a, a nice routine here of um, just sitting sitting around Friday night, late night, football's done, and I know I'm going to have a good Mountain West game on. I, I kind of appreciate that, right? Like, I'm like, hey, you know, tonight, for example, it's going to be New Mexico at San Diego State. Like, that's going to be a great game. Rocco, my question is, do you expect the Mountain West, it's been a great league this year, do you expect it to get the respect on Selection Sunday that it deserves? You know, I do. It's it's a a matter of an opinion, though. Like, if I would have told you at the start of the year they're getting five teams in, I I think even if I told the league commissioner that, Gloria, I I know Gloria, uh, she, she would have gave me a hug. Um, and I think the, the crazy thing is, is six teams have actually put themselves in position. Um, but there's, it's only an 11 team league and we've got some teams with six games left. A couple don't have a buy left, so they'll have seven. And so I just think the combination of games, all of these teams, and especially uh, the three to focus on are Nevada, New Mexico and Boise. They're all right near the bubble. Uh, for me, two of the last four in, um, 
you know, some of the so, somebody I would imagine is going to go cold. But every time somebody goes cold, like last week it was New Mexico, they turn around and win a road game at Nevada and they're right back in. You know, Nevada was out. They go to Utah State and win. And then they beat San Diego State. So you just don't know. And like I said earlier, UNLV is just like the crazy wild card that just keeps knocking teams off. They won at Boise. Um, you know, and they've knocked off some others. So I think I think there's just so much to be decided. I just think you got to play the percentages. Percentages say there's, they're only going to get five. Um, there, there's probably some sort of crazy formula that gets them six. And they also need help from other leagues. You also need the bid steal conversation is going to be huge for that. How many bids are going to get stolen? Are there going to be spots for all six of these? So I just think at the end of the day, five seems really comfortable to me. Uh, and then going around here uh, really quickly, hitting some other ones. Uh, Lucas, Michigan State, I assume, just based on what they've done, felt like a huge win against Illinois over the weekend. Safely in, any reason to believe otherwise? No, actually, Michigan State shocked me when I went through my recent update. Um, I put Michigan State on the six line, and I don't really know if I believe it, even though I did it. Um, I think there's a, definitely a gap there between them on a six and my other sixes. Um, and certainly a gap between them and the five line. But now they've raised their metrics into the low 30s, four quad one wins. They have great quality metrics, which are going to boost their seeding. I give them the slight edge over some of those teams that are a little bit less proven against quality teams. So I think Michigan State's in pretty good shape, and I'm really surprising myself with where I put them today. Yeah. And then and then finally here, Rocco, on the, on the quick hitters, Indiana State feels like one of those teams that, man, it's like – is there a way they get left out? It, it feels like it, it's pain as great as they are offensively. But when you play in the league that they are in and you are in that sandbox, your margin for error is basically zero, right? Like how do you make sense of Indiana State right now? Yeah, I mean, it, that was a brutal loss to Illinois State uh, at home and uh, definitely altered things. Uh, I, I still have them in as an 11 seed. Not too far away from going to the first four. My gut, my gut said they would be one of the last four in today. They ended up about the sixth team in uh, on mine. Tough. But, you know, they, they do have an 11-3 and three record away from home. Their overall strength of resume is a top 29 resume. There's too many reasons to leave them in today. But that, again, is a sliding scale. Like, other resumes below them could get better without them being able to control that. And, um, you know, the nice thing for them is Drake and Bradley continue to play pretty well. Uh, they could they could play they won't play either of them in the regular season but of course chance they could play one or both in the in the arch madness so uh, right now there's there's still a tiny bit of cushion but not much and I agree right. with you it'd be tragic if if they were in the situation didn't get in oh that would really that would really hurt my soul that would really hurt my soul if I'm the Indiana State coach I'm like what do you want me to do we're 23 in the damn country Lucas Harkins has me out. Uh, yeah, I'd have to I'd have to just come find you, man. All right, uh, it's Friday night. We got a big slate on Saturday. Say again. I wouldn't do that to Coach Shirts yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he, he perfect. Uh, he, that'll be music to his ears. It's a big Saturday, uh, as it always is in college basketball. So I'm going to ask you guys the same question: uh, Who stands to gain the most from a positive result this weekend? We'll start with you, Lucas. You know, I think there's a few here. I think we've discussed some of them already, and that's like Nevada goes at UNLV. That's a game that could really hurt them, um, but one they can pick up. In terms of area to gain, Wake Forest goes at Virginia. Uh, Wake doesn't have a quad one win yet this year. That's an opportunity for one. Um, Marquette at UConn. Marquette's going to really make a push for a one seed. That's a game that they could really use. 
Um, and, and Creighton at Butler. Uh, Butler's a game. This is a big swing game um, for Butler. They get two two on the road after this one. Um, a win over Creighton could give them some much-needed separation from the cut line and give them some, some margin for error. Whereas a loss, even if it's a loss in quad one to Creighton, they'd be kind of closer to that um, definitely in the last four buys conversation, if not if not last four in, um, going into playing back-to-back on the road. Rocco, who's that team for you? I think there's a, there's a few others as well. Like Texas Tech goes to Hilton. Again, they'll be, they'll be underdogs there. But Iowa State, as you saw on the reveal today, is going to be somewhere around ninth overall when you see the actual committee's uh, reveal tomorrow. Uh, so if somehow the Red Raiders can win that, build off that big Kansas win they just got on Monday, uh, what a week that would be for them and how high they could climb by Monday with a win there. Um, that'd be significant. Cincinnati, to me, still needs uh, quite a bit more work in terms of not only ro- uh, they're good on the road, but they're uh, just seven and nine in meaningful games. So they need to get above 500. Key road game at UCF uh, on Saturday that might be overlooked by many. Really important for their resume. And UCF's been stingy at home, beating a lot of good teams, including Kansas there. Um, you also have Kentucky. Uh, go into the jungle where nobody, as I covered before, everybody gets demolished down there at Auburn. But if somehow Kentucky hangs with them, they have the athletes to do it, and they get that win, I think the whole complexion of Kentucky can change in one day. Um, so that's pretty huge. Uh, and then last but not least, uh, I don't think either of these will happen, but AM could drastically change their uh, trajectory if they won at Alabama. I don't see it happening, but hey, this is all about opportunities. They got the opportunity. Same thing with Texas going to Houston. Good chance they get demolished by 30. But if somehow Texas uses that rivalry juice to steal a win down there, it changes everything for the Longhorns as well. Yeah, one other thing I'll add man. on this. One other, add, one other thing I'll add on the schedule, it's not games to watch, but there's six teams in the bubble. Providence, James Madison, Pittsburgh, Grand Canyon, Boise State, and Gonzaga all playing quad four home games this weekend. There you go. Got to gotta, gotta, uh, avoid some, you know, some landmines there. Wise man once told me it's all about the at-bats, you know, and some of these teams have more than others. You know what I'm saying? And and uh, and you got to maximize them when you get them. Hey, appreciate everybody tuning in on a Friday afternoon for our first reveal of our top 16 teams in the field. Uh, should be a great weekend of college basketball. Some of the order is going to change. Some of it's not. Stick around. We'll update you next week. For Lucas Harkins, for Rocco Miller, I'm John Martin, and we'll catch you next week. Enjoy the games. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.